and welcome to Upleveling Work, a podcast about the strategies and solutions that real people are using for improving their work life so they can make a bigger impact and find more connection and fulfillment along the way. I'm your host, Michelle K. Anderson, and I'm an executive coach and the creator of the Conscious Leadership Framework. I'm on a mission to increase the diversity of leadership at organizations. And the work that I do as a coach is all about empowering women and other marginalized people to become leaders who gracefully navigate complex work environments with confidence. Join me here each week to learn how to create high-performing teams without working more or burning out. By the way, I don't swear a lot, but I won't censor words or other adult language. Listener discretion is advised in this episode. This is episode number one, an open letter to new managers. Dear new manager, welcome to the club. You've probably been preparing for this role your whole life, and you are ready. Your brain is going to try and convince you that you pulled the wool over the eyes of your hiring manager. Don't believe it. This thought is just a waste of your time and energy. So let's table that for now because you've got a lot to do. You may have already had an oh shit moment where you asked yourself, what am I getting myself into? Am I really ready for this? Don't worry. It happens to most of us at the beginning, in part because of the messages we receive about what it takes to be a good manager. I don't have time to get into where all of this comes from right now or why it is problematic, but trust me when I tell you that you are not alone in this and that a big part of leadership development is learning to trust yourself and to be present in what is needed in the moment. So my best advice to you is to throw everything you think you know about management out the window and just trust yourself. A big mistake new managers make in their panic is to rush out and read a bunch of books or enter a training program to be a good manager. But this just tends to feed your insecurity and send you chasing a bunch of tactics that may or may not work for you and your team, which means that you are wasting precious time and energy, and it makes it a lot harder for you to listen to your own intuition and the wisdom that is already in the room. Your natural strengths and talents are enough to take this team to the next level. Let's start by working with that and then get targeted support in areas that you actually need help with as things come up. You might be wondering, but won't trusting myself or throwing all the rules out the window just make me an arrogant asshole who's operating in the dark? No, the fact that you are even asking this question tells me that you are the kind of person that would have a hard time actually being a jerk. The former Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, proved that the future of leadership is kindness. She showed that empathic leaders can also be strong and bold. In Leading with Empathy, Ardern says, I think one of the sad things that I've seen in political leadership is that because we've placed over time so much emphasis on notions of assertiveness and strength, that we probably have assumed that it means that you can't have those other qualities of kindness and empathy. And yet, when you think about all the big challenges that we face in the world, that's probably the quality we need the most. We need our leaders to be able to empathize with the circumstances of others, to empathize with the next generation that they're making decisions on behalf of. And if we focus only on being seen to the strongest, most powerful person in the room, I think we lose what we're meant to be here for. And this works the same way in the workplace. I've done a lot of research on leadership, and what I've learned by reading Daniel Goleman and others is that the key factors in developing high-quality leadership are two things. 
The first is self-awareness. And that's the ability to be mindful or conscious about what you do, how you do it, and why you're doing it. And second, emotional intelligence, which is the ability to recognize, understand, and manage your own emotions, as well as the capacity to recognize, understand, and empathize with the emotions of others. Leaders who are both self-aware and emotionally intelligent have the potential to become resilient visionaries. But if you are self-aware and lack emotional intelligence, you end up being what I call an egocentric architect. You may have a strategy or an idea to execute, but not the chops to motivate and direct the team to make things happen. And if you have emotional intelligence but lack self-awareness, you end up being what I call an empathic martyr. You spend too much time focusing on others and making sure people are comfortable that you tend to sacrifice on the mission or worse, yourself. Many new managers are concerned about being a doormat if they're too kind out the gate. So isn't that a legitimate concern? Nope. Because when you are listening to your inner voice and staying present to what's needed in the moment, you get good at listening to your body and what you need. And it is easier to set boundaries or intuit when you're being taken advantage of from that grounded space. And there's no science behind the idea that being nice or likable means that you are more likely to be a pushover or that people won't respect you. It's an old way of thinking with a lack of evidence to back it up. So how do you create a collaborative environment where teams can perform at the highest levels? Great question. At the big picture level, it comes down to alignment and attunement, combining the head and the heart of your team. Let's talk about alignment first. Alignment has to do with getting everyone on the same page and pointed in the right direction. Okay, so this is the strategy part of your job that is often most appealing to new managers. You've been waiting to have the authority to make the changes, and you just can't wait to put all your ideas into action for the benefit of the team. Typical alignment activities might look like developing a clear vision and goals for your team, setting expectations for employees and providing feedback, identifying the strengths and weaknesses of your team and designing the workflow to align with the strengths, utilizing existing resources and creating new ones, or prioritizing tasks and delegating responsibilities. These are all things that I help my clients with. I do want to caution you here, though. There's a tendency to stay up to date on industry trends or study the best practices. I want you to hear me when I say that it is more important that you listen to your customers and focus on solving real problems for them and creating value, no matter what your competitors or the industry is doing. Best practices can be a trap because your brain is naturally looking for a formula of what will work based on what has worked for other people or what worked for us in the past. Your brain is wired for efficiency, and it's just looking for certainty, certainty that you'll be effective the first time you try something, typically. But leaders of the future really need to stay focused on the consumer, listening to stakeholders and co-creating solutions that meet real needs right now, because things are moving too quickly for you not to listen carefully. So that's alignment. You can see that this is primarily coming from the thinking side of things. So let's talk about the feeling side of teams. That's attunement. Attunement has to do with developing trust on your team. In the literature, this is often referred to as psychological safety. But the main thing to know here is that without a solid foundation of trust, your team is hosed. What you'll come to find out soon enough is that your job is fundamentally a people job. Now, this might sound obvious as a new manager, but hear me out. 
Often we get promoted for actions that we've taken or strategy that we want to take. But fundamentally, your ability to accomplish your goals is dependent on the people who make up your team. And it takes a lot of time to really listen to people and meet them where they're at. So just plan for that. The science clearly tells us that people are more likely to leave their job because of a lack of support or connection to their boss. A 2019 study in the U.S. revealed that 57% of employees quit because of their boss. 14% have left multiple jobs because of their managers. And 32% have seriously considered leaving because of their manager. So be the kind of boss that people feel seen with and supported from. It is much easier to invest in the people that you have and build their capacity than to try to recruit when you're experiencing turnover. See, we think that we can just hire someone who's better or find another skill set that's a better match. When in reality, it's more efficient for you to work with what you have and to invest in people because that really is the core asset of your team. Project Aristotle, a well-known Google study on building the perfect team, found that the behaviors that create psychological safety, like taking turns in conversation or empathy, are part of the same unwritten roles that we often turn to as individuals when we need to establish a bond. And those human bonds matter as much at work as anywhere else. In fact, sometimes they matter more. Google's intense data collection and number crunching have led it to the same conclusions that good managers have always known. In the best teams, managers listen to one another and show sensitivity to feelings and needs. So try to establish authentic relationships with your staff early on. Make time to get out and talk to your customers. These investments will add up over time. Attunement often comes down to good communication. There are things about being human that get in the way of good communication, and they just add a layer of stress that doesn't have to be there. Tricky personality dynamics can be part of this job that most people dread. It's hard to know what to do in awkward or tense moments. But I have some tricks I can teach you that will make this much easier using the Enneagram personality system, which will help you feel more resourced and confident when things do come up. But the main thing to understand is that great leaders deal with difficult situations with authenticity and empathy. Going back to the Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda once said, I actually decided I didn't necessarily want to build some tough exterior. Instead, I just learned how to filter things, how to kind of take on board that criticism and listen to it when I need to. Or otherwise say, well, actually, that person's just coming from a different perspective and just learn how to filter it. And so that was a really big learning curve, you know? Actually, the world doesn't need a whole lot of massively thick-skinned politicians. They do need people who care. And the same is true in business, no matter how big your company is or what stage of development your team is in. We're all human and have needs of motivation, like belonging and love and safety and esteem. Compassionate leadership is the ability to do hard things in a human way. A little advice here is that you need to make sure you're investing in your own personal development. The truth is your stress and enjoyment at work can improve even if your situation or the people around you are a mess. But it's really hard to see that if you don't have a basic level of self-awareness. This is a lot of the work that we do together in an executive coaching relationship. I'll leave you with a word of caution before you proceed. There may be parts of this job that you don't like or pieces that you aren't good at. And that's okay. You don't have to have all the answers or do it yourself. You just have to create an environment where the work can be done collaboratively. And the biggest piece of this is staying open and listening carefully. 
Additionally, you need to get comfortable with the fact that you may be the elephant in the room anytime you run into a problem or face tensions. Remember those stats I shared on the majority of people leaving their jobs because of their boss? Your ego is going to freak out and get defensive or try to blame it on others, the resources, the timing, etc. Sometimes that will be true, but that ego defensiveness is obscuring your vision and making it hard for you to do a good job. Accepting that you might be part of the problem and modeling owning your contribution to the current situation are huge contributors to team effectiveness and can get you back on track quickly. The main thing I want you to take from this letter is that you've got this. Take a deep breath, carve out some time to build those bonds and listen closely, and just trust yourself. I'm wishing you the very best on this journey. Send me an email if you feel like you need a little bit more support. I'm happy to get on the phone and talk about your situation and offer any support that I can. Good luck, Michelle. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Upleveling Work. To view the complete show notes and all the links mentioned in today's episode, visit uplevelingwork.com. That's where you can search by the episode number in order to find the transcripts and any downloads or resources mentioned in the podcast. That's also where you can find my 10 Mistakes Managers Make ebook, which explains the most common mistakes managers tend to fall into. My intention is to save you the wasted time and energy that these failed solutions cost you. That way you can become a more effective leader while playing to your natural strengths. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes right as they're released. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to ask you to leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Reviews are one of the major ways new podcasts get noticed, and it would really make a difference if you could take a minute to write a review. Thank you for joining me, Michelle K. Anderson, on this episode of Upleveling Work. I'll see you next time.